All right, amen. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to thank Matt for the opportunity that he has granted me to uh, preach. I knew I would eventually get the opportunity to preach, but I thought it would be when he was gone or something. And uh, he asked me a few weeks ago if I would do this particular text, and I said that I would be glad to. Uh, many of you know Brother Joe Hoover. He was a dear friend of mine and the first pastor of Westmead Baptist Church. And Brother Joe lived to be 90, and he, he was interim for many, many people around here. And he used to tell me, he said, I pray for all the pastors every, for every Sunday morning. I pray they get sick and let me come supply for them. <laughs> so I've been praying for this for a long time. Matt didn't get sick, but here I am anyway. Well, I want to say thank you to Central Park, all of you who prayed for us, Kathy and I, while we were in Israel for two months. Uh, your prayers were very much appreciated, and we thank you for uh, remembering us as we were there. It's two months a long time to be away from family, and uh, we were glad to be home and be home here in Central Park with you and beginning to know you. And uh, you need to pray for us for that transition as well. Because for 42 years, I've never been a church member, nor just a normal church member, trying to figure it out what that means. Normal in Sunday school, I just sat quiet for the first three weeks, and they say, when are you going to talk? You know? So now they, you know, they may say, when are you going to shut up? You know? Normal when it comes to preaching, sitting there listening to Matt. Normal when it comes to just being a normal, normal church member. Somebody said, well, you can forget that. You've never been normal anyway. So that's probably true. Matt's doing a super job. Matt is doing a super job uh, preaching the Word of God for us. And I'm uh, grateful as he opens the text and walks through it with us. He's a much more student of the Word than I am. He digs deep in the Word, and I'm grateful for that. I'm, I'm just an old-fashioned country preacher. That's what I am. And I believe uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done for me, and I just want to tell it. That's what I want to do. But Matt, Matt gave me an easy text. It's uh, packed with a lot of material, and obviously we don't have time to unpack everything today. So I'm going to get right into it. Hopefully we can get some of it. So I've told people before, my sermons are like a stick of bologna. You know what a stick of bologna is? You know, the old-fashioned bologna. Now, to me, that's good because I like bologna. And I tell people, my sermons are like a stick of bologna. I can just cut them off anywhere and it's still good, all right? <laughs> so if we run out of time, I'm just going to cut it off, and I think it's going to be all right, all right? So here's the text for us today. I'm going to be talking about five action words, and obviously, uh, that's going to have to be quick to get it in, but we'll get there. What, what, I, what I saw in this passage that was, I think, beneficial for all of us is the big picture from beginning to end in the Christian life, what it means to do that, from the start to the finish, and those action words that are help us to see the big picture that brings joy to the believer. Because this is what the book of Philippians is about, is about the joy of knowing Jesus and walking with him. And so the Bible gives us the text, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Y'all have been standing as we read the word. Why don't we go ahead and do that today, since that is your order. Verses 12 and following. 
Not that I have already attained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some points you think differently, that to God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that the hearing of the word might also become lodged in our hearts as we make room for you to speak to us today. May your word call out those who need to know you. And may this day be a day of salvation. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Five action words. Now there's a lot of white space in your bulletin today for you to take notes, but you can just take those five words. The first word is knowing, knowing. When I was reading this passage of scripture in verse 12, it kind of is broken in a, in a, unusual place for it begins, not that I have already obtained all this. Well, what's this? What is he referring to? What does all this refer to? And obviously it refers back to what preach, Matt preached about last week. What Matt preached about last week. Boy, I'm lightning struck today. Aren't I? In verses 10 and 11, Paul is talking about knowing Christ. That's the thing, knowing him. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know everything about him so that I can become like him, even to the point of death, and find out about the resurrection of the Lord. So it was about knowing him. And he said, I'm, I'm not already there. I'm not perfect. I haven't attained that yet. Is there something we should do to change things? Now we can have different, maybe. <laughs> None of us in this room are perfect. At least I don't think you are. I know I'm not. And the ones I know that I've met in Sunday school class, they're not. I mean, you know. 
<laughs> None of us are. But it's about the journey. And it starts with knowing. This passage deals with knowing him. Salvation. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There's a point when Christ took hold of us. Knowing him. Salvation is not knowing just about him. It's a knowing that Jesus Christ took hold of you. Salvation is not a singular action of the would-be believer. It's not saying, oh, I think I'll just become a Christian today. I think I'll turn over a new leaf. I think I'll change. Listen, salvation is more than that. Salvation, salvation is knowing when you have reached up to him and he's reached down to you and took hold of you. Now, I know that personally. That you know, that you know, that you know. It's not about making a decision or praying a prayer, joining a church or being baptized because all of that happened in my life. And since this is my first time to be up here, I thought I'd just share a little bit of that with you. I made a decision for Christ when I was six years old. I remember it vividly. We had a big service in Vacation Bible School like we always do. And the lady said, if you want to be saved, come down front. Well, I was six years old, but I wasn't stupid. And so I wanted to be saved. And so I went down, did everything they did. I went home, told mother I was saved today. She said, that's good, son. And so for a while, nothing ever changed. I was fine. Until about 12 years old, and we had a revival meeting, and the preacher and evangelist showed up at my, our house because my father was not saved. And so they began to talk to him, but before they saw him, they talked to me and said, are you saved? Do you know Christ? And for the first time, it really struck my mind that, wow, do I know him? And I immediately said, well, yeah, I, I made a decision when I was six years old. And so he began to talk to me, the pastor did talk to me about being baptized. Well, my father was saved that week during revival. And so during that revival service on Sunday night, my father went forward and God was dealing with my heart. He was calling me out. And my, I was sitting with my Sunday school teacher. Thank God for Sunday school teachers. And she saw the tear running down my cheek and she said, would you like to go up? And I said, I sure would. And she said, well, go. And so I went forward, and my father and I were both baptized the same Sunday. It was great, I thought. But I set out in church on, from that point forward, and through my teenage years, there was something missing in me. And I remember very vividly saying as the preacher preached, well, God, if I'm not saved, save me out here. I don't want to go back up there. Save me out here. And I remember we talked about the unpardonable sin in Sunday school. And I remember hearing preachers talk about that. And it scared me even then as a teenager because I, I thought, oh, my gosh, what if, I, what if I've done that? And then he would say, but if, if it bothers you that I said that, then you haven't walked past that yet. Because the Holy Spirit was still dealing with us. 
I really couldn't remember exactly what I did when I was 12 years old. But it was a long time in that period. It was so long that Kathy and I had married and I went to work at Amoco Chemicals over here. And we had started back to church. We started to be faithful as, as a new, newlywed couple. We went to church. And God was really beginning to deal with my heart. And he would say, you're not saved. And I'd say, but God, don't you remember? I made a decision. And so I knew this is what, in my mind, this is the, the, the low of lows for the, for the person like me because I didn't know where I stood with God, so much so that I had to ask my mom. The thought came across my mind, why don't you ask your mother? She knows what you did. And I said, you know, in my mind I battled that. No, I'm not gonna do that. But finally one day, I was off work and I went by mother's house and the spirit spoke and said, why don't you ask your mother? And so I had the courage that day to ask that question. Mom, did Dad and I get saved the same week in revival? Because I kind of thought that's when it was. And she said, oh, no, son. I still hear the words ringing in my ear. And then I hear the words of the Holy Spirit ringing in my heart. Because as soon as she said, oh, no, son, the Holy Spirit said, I told you you're not saved. For the first time in my life, I knew I was lost. Now, I'd done all the right things. I'd prayed a prayer. I'd gone to church. I'd joined the church. I'd been baptized. Those are good things. Don't misunderstand me. I think every believer ought to do all of those things. But it's not just a singular decision that I'm going to turn over a new leaf or I'm going to do that. It's as we reach up to him, he reaches down to us and he takes hold of us. John chapter 2, the end of the chapter, the Bible says many people believed on Jesus because the miracles he was doing. But then it says this, he did not commit himself to them. You see, he knows our heart. He wants a heart transformation transformation. He does not want us just to make a decision or join a church or agree with certain principles or decide that a certain program that a church is doing is right for me. It's a salvation is that God takes a hold of us and he transforms our life. And that Monday night, I went to the pastor's house and I said, told him all the story I just told you. And he told me what the scripture says. And I remember kneeling down beside an old black couch in his study and reaching up. But more than that, I know that he reached down to me and he changed my life. He took hold of me. You know, one way that I knew was Kathy and I had started the church on Sunday night, which was unusual for us, before I was saved. It just so happened the, the woman who was leading the vacation Bible school when I was six years old was doing the 
church training back then, and she called on me to pray. Scared me to death. I wasn't, I wasn't saved. Mm. <laughs> and so, I remember standing up and going through the motions of praying and trying to reach out to God. And I remember going home, even asking Kathy, well, how'd I do? How did I do all right praying? But you know what? After Monday night when I was saved, on that Wednesday night when we were in church, the pastor called on me to pray. And this time when I stood up and I turned my face toward heaven, it wasn't if there's a God out there somewhere, some God that I've just heard about or read about. But when I lifted my face toward heaven, it was as if heaven opened up and gave me audience with a holy God. He took hold of me. That's knowing him. That's how you get in salvation. That's where the journey starts. It's knowing Christ and letting him be in your life that he transform you. Listen to this out of John. John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall, uh, shall snatch them out of my hand. That's what Jesus said. And then a verse later he said, no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. You know, when Jesus reaches down to us and he takes hold of us in salvation, he's holding on to us. You know, that's why I believe in eternal security because sometimes my grip is rather loose and I try to hang on and in my weakness I let go of my grip. But thank God there's a Lord Jesus Christ who's holding on to me. And I know him and he knows me. And he wants to know every person. <laughs> That's salvation. That's knowing. Knowing is not about being perfect. It's about knowing purpose. Because he said in verse 12, he said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He took hold of me. That's knowing, but it's about purpose that he's got a purpose for your life and mine, and he wants to do something special in your life. And every child of God, he's calling you to his own purpose. It's not perfection. It's not about being perfect. It's about knowing the purpose that he's called you for. Now, Paul said, it's not about one decision that you make when you're young. It's about a change of life position that starts a journey, that you're on a journey. Now, he says his second word, because I'm running out of time, I'm going to cut it short like my bologna sandwich, all right? Second word is forgetting. It's really two words that's used there because he's forgetting and striving because they go hand in hand. He said, this I forget. There's some things that we forget. It's a two-sided action. If I'm going to do 
If I'm going to do these things, I have to act first on the first one to do the other one. I can't forget and move forward. It's the picture of a runner. You can't run to the goal line looking backwards. And so there's some things you have to forget, you have to turn loose of. In this journey of life as a Christian, there's some things that we must turn loose of. Paul put it like this, one thing I do, this one thing I do. And then he went on to name two things. Forgetting and straining, reaching. As believers, the journey of the Christian life requires these important actions. We need holy amnesia. Forgetting what is behind. Paul had already enumerated some of those things. Matt preached on them last week because he preached about the pedigree of Paul, you remember. And how that he thought, well, you know, because of my lineage, because of the way I was born, because I'm a Jew and because I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees, all of that meant nothing. Knowing Christ means everything. And so there's some things that we've got to put behind us that we have to forget. It all becomes rubbish, as Paul said. Forget the past. You've got to live in the present. Now, we could pause here and spend a whole time on forgetting because I believe there's a lot of people that are hung up on the past. Jackie Burney, my dear church member and deacon from Westmead, he used to say that we are to learn from the past, live in the present, and plan for the future. I thought that's a pretty good saying. And time doesn't permit us to unpack it. Can I just name a few that needs to be forgotten? We need to forget past confessed sins. Do you know that once you confess your sin to Christ, if you really mean business with him, the Bible says that he forgives you and he forgets it and he puts it as far as the east is from the west so that if you go to him and you ask forgiveness for your sin, you don't have to come back the next day and say, oh God, that, for, that sin. And next week, oh God, you remember that sin? And oh God, next month, oh God, that sin. You see, once you bring it to him, he forgives our sin. Now, some of us have done some things that we're so ashamed of that it bothers us, but I want you to know the joy of knowing Jesus is that he forgives our sin and he puts as far as the east is from the west and he forgets it. And so there's some sins that probably in this room some people need to just set aside. You've confessed it enough. You need to start looking toward the future. You can't, you can't run in the purpose of Christ looking back and say, oh, I'm a failure. Listen, God's got something for you to do. Don't be looking backward all the time. Look ahead. Some of you have missed opportunities. I have too. I can't tell you the opportunities that I should have taken advantage of, but I didn't. And you can spend all your time looking back and say, oh, I wish I'd done that, I wish I'd done that, I wish I'd done that. Listen, God didn't call us to the wishbone offense. He called us to march forward. So there's some things that we have to leave behind, forget those things, petty differences, hurts that are present. There's not a one of us in here probably that hasn't had something hurt us deeply, even in church life. Someone said something. Some made an innuendo against you, really hurt you. 
And you said, I'm going to quit going to church on account of that. I'm going to quit doing this. Listen, offenses will come. Put those behind you. Put your face toward Jesus and march toward him. Now, you're not going to get rid of the pain, but you can not let Satan win the victory. Forget those things that are behind. And then press toward the mark. That's straining. That's, that's reaching for the goal. That's the third action word. It's striving. It's the picture of that Olympic runner that's stretching himself out. He's put all he's got into it, but he's close to the finish line. And he's running with all of his might. And you see him stretch out with all they got trying to be the first to the goal line. That's the picture. God wants us to do that. You've got to forget the things that are behind and stress, strain, reach for the goal, for the purpose that he's called you to. As a church, as an individual, Paul said the prize of the high calling of knowing Jesus. And then the fourth thing is this. It's one that's odd, but I found it that just the Lord just put it on my mind. It's found in verse uh, 16. It's an odd little verse. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. I already said there's nobody perfect in here, and there's not. But you know what? We know a lot more than we live up to. He said, you've already, you already know enough if you just live out what you know. If you let what you know become part of your life, that word for us is living. The King James says, let us walk. Every believer already knows about the life and purpose of Christ. We must learn to walk it out in our life. As believers, our walk should reflect the person that God's called us to be. We know we ought to read our Bible. We know we ought to pray. We know we ought to attend church. We know we ought to witness. We know we ought to tithe. We know we ought to forgive each other. And the list goes on and on. We know. We know. We don't have to get some new knowledge or some great principle. Listen, we know. We know what it is to be a child of God because we started out knowing him and we forgot some things and we're pressing for some things. So just live out who you are. Live it out in your life. Living. Quit hoping for something else. Go ahead and live what you know. That's living. That's the fourth word. The final word is achieving, anticipating rather. Verse 20, it's another unique word here. But our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Eagerly await. Every child of God in our journey from knowing, forgetting, reaching, living ought to be for one thing, anticipating that he's coming again. That's the journey. 
We just did it this morning. As often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me until he comes. We just said he is coming again. What if we live like it? Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> if we live like it. Well, end of my bologna sandwich right here. The old black preacher said every church needs to have a baseball ministry. And a baseball ministry was he said that we need to get people to first base. If you don't get to first base, you can't score. First base is knowing Christ. That's first base. You gotta know that you know that you know him. You gotta know that he's holding on to you because he reached down to you when you reached up to him. And he gives you that knowledge by the Spirit of God who lives within you. That's first base. But you can't stay on first base. That's being an immature Christian. And he said, we need to go around as mature Christians. And so we ought to move to second and third base. That's the forgetting and reaching and living. That's the journey we're on. But he said, don't ever forget. Don't ever forget. We're going home. You got to get home if you score. Now, Coach Bowling was my coach. I wasn't a very good player, but he was a good coach. You can't score. Matter of fact, Coach, there's a story in my mind. I hit a ball... We were playing West Morgan, and I accidentally stuck the bat out and hit the ball, and it went way to the fence in right field. And I made my way around to third base, hit a triple. And Coach was coaching me, and he said, they let a ball slip and go by, and he said, go, go, and I didn't go. I didn't make it home. They got the guy out. I remember that. It's not enough to get to third base. God's getting us home. He's coming back again. He's going to get us home. The journey that we start with him is a journey that ends with him because it's all about him. It's about him. Now, the question is, do you know him? Not know about him like I did as a six-year-old or a 12-year-old, even as an 18-year-old. I'm talking about know him like as a 20-year-old when he reached up, he reached down his hand and got me. Do you know him? Now, I believe, before you get misunderstand, I believe six-year-olds can be saved. And I believe 12-year-olds can be saved. I'm just telling you my story. Okay, God can save you wherever you are, even today, right now. Would you let him do that? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Pastor Matt and for the way he preaches the word. And God, even today, thank you for the opportunity to share. And I pray that there would be someone in this room today that you've touched their heart. And just like me, 
that you said, I've been telling you, I've been telling you, you need to open your life to Jesus. God, would you do that today in somebody's heart? We pray it in Jesus' name. I bless you. I've been telling you.